Hello, uh, my name is Matt Ovenden and I'm the Manager of Communications and External Affairs for Bechtel Oil, Gas and Chemicals. Today I'm joined by Dan Mayer, President and CEO of the Southeast Texas Food Bank. Hi Dan, thanks for joining us today. Oh, I'm glad to be here with you, Matt. Thank you for the invitation. That's great. Recently, the Bechtel Group Foundation announced the donation of $3 million to communities across the world coping with the coronavirus pandemic in partnership with crowdfunding nonprofit Global Giving. The newly established Bechtel COVID-19 Relief Fund will support local nonprofit organizations that provide vital services to people in areas where Bechtel maintains offices and project sites. As part of the fund's first round of grants, which totaled $750,000 and went to charities in 11 states, the Bechtel Group Foundation selected the Southeast Texas Food Bank and donated $30,000 to support its outstanding work leading the fight against hunger in Southeast Texas. So Dan, the issue of hunger relief is a significant one in any community. Now, can you tell us about the work of the Southeast Texas Food Bank and the communities you work with? Well, we are a Feeding America network food bank for an eight-county territory in the corner of Texas that borders Louisiana to our east and the Houston metropolitan area to our west and up kind of toward the Dallas Tyler area to our north. So eight counties of about 6,000 square foot uh, footprint, square mile footprint, I should say. And uh, in those counties, we have a significant issue of hunger as a norm. Uh, we're one of the higher communities probably around the country in terms of normal food insecurity rate. Food insecurity is defined as someone being unable to provide three nutritious meals a day by their own self-sufficiency. Uh, and for some that's a chronic issue, for some it's maybe seasonal with uh, illness or medical problems that they may face. Sometimes it may be um, temporary unemployment or something of that nature, whatever the factors may be that keep someone from being unable to self-provide three nutritious meals a day, more than one in five in our community face that circumstance. So as an ordinary matter of course, about 21% of our community needs the services of the Southeast Texas Food Bank with at least some frequency during the course of the year. And we're, we're proud to, to fill that. Uh, it's a stretch to fill that sometimes because of that a severe need within our community. And uh, 2019 was a record output year for us to use that as a benchmark. We provided a little over 8 million meals within the community and a host of complementary programs that uh, support nutrition and uh, proper health within our community. So th there's a lot of activity that we engage in with our partner agencies. We have about 100 partner agencies that receive food from us and distribute it, and about 40 partner schools that receive food for the children in those schools. And our target is always uh, those of low income situations and trying to uh, reduce the situation of poverty for them by taking some burden off of them uh, by making food available to them. And um, right. you know, we're, we're proud 2019 was a record year, but uh, you know, a, a lot of growth is still necessary in our community. So your normal everyday work is obviously very significant. You've got such a large region to look after and, and such a big need. So how does the COVID-19 pandemic impact or change the work uh, that you do in the region? Yeah, it's a great question. We've seen dramatic impact and uh, this is a, a national issue. So we're able to kind of mirror and learn from other communities that are facing 
the same kinds of situations that we face. And so we're getting a lot of guidance from the Feeding America Network, the, the Texas Food Bank Network called Feeding Texas. Those have been very instrumental in helping us uh, codify some plans to respond. But essentially each community has to try to have the wherewithal to respond from within its own resources because there is such a strain on the national economy and the national resource pipeline. And so being in a community where we already face hunger as a severe issue, we recognize that there is a shortage of food supplies just in general. And so when you couple with that, the economic impact of unemployment numbers skyrocketing, people who ordinarily would have means to be self-sufficient now not being self-sufficient, it really has put quite a strain on the, the resources that this community has to bring to bear. Uh, it's challenged our agencies, some of them, uh, at least temporarily shut down and some remain shut down because they're very volunteer driven. And so with the COVID-19 impact in the community, understandably, volunteers may be a little reluctant to expose themselves. And so, you know, we've lost about 10 to 15 percent of our agency uh, operational capacity. And so other agencies have had to step up and, and try to be able to uh, provide more services, more response. They've also had to respond to more people coming to them for services just in general. Um, so I think the, the biggest impact that we have seen is just it puts an even further strain on the food resources that are already a very precious commodity in our community. And, um, you know, that puts everybody, I think, under a little bit of strain as we try to respond to that. I can, I can imagine. So you've mentioned uh, some of the organizations that you do partner with, but how do you find partners? And what sort of how much work has to go into finding partners and people and organizations that, that can support the work that you do? Yeah, it really does take a special kind of situation and special people to respond. I mean, the a food bank network in most circumstances is very volunteer driven. Uh, and especially in a community like ours, we don't really have um, a lot of large communities. Uh, Beaumont, Texas is the biggest a city in our community, and that's only a population of about 110, 115,000 people. So uh, there's just not a lot of large-scale not-for-profits in this community. And so those that do respond tend to be faith-based, uh, small faith-based community churches or something of that nature. And so they're very volunteer-driven. Um, and you know that really requires people who have a heart and a commitment um, people who can fundraise within their own neighborhoods or communities, um, you know, people who are going to sacrifice for the betterment of their communities, and then, um, you know, there's in addition to that goodwill, you know, for food safety purposes, there are certain criteria that agencies have to be able to abide by uh, as part of a Feeding America network and as recipients of federal government product. You know, they have to be responsive to the monitoring that goes along with. Uh, the regulatory monitoring that goes along with those kinds of programs. So it really does take special partners who on a volunteer basis are willing to uh, abide by uh, you know, unique work hours and uh, the regulatory monitoring. A very, very challenging situation. But we do have uh, close to 100 uh, partners within the community. Some are uh, organizations that people generally hear about, Salvation Army, Catholic Charities, things of that nature. But as I say, many of them are relatively small faith-based community organizations, and we're really proud that uh, you know we have such resiliency in our community. Yeah, and 
So we're now moving into, I guess, the summer period uh, here in, in Louisiana and, and Texas. And a lot of the schools, a lot of our school children and their families rely on feeding programs. So how do you prepare for that type of period where we have this, this summer season coming along and um, a lot of a need there in the community and even a greater need now with the COVID-19 issue? It's very uh, important that you do highlight that, and I think the uniqueness of the COVID-19 situation makes this uh, a bit of a hard question to answer because this year is going to look and feel so differently than the norm. So let me start with the norm and then try to elaborate a little bit upon what we expect with COVID-19. Uh, I, I think very often the uh, the heart of a donor tends to resonate with hunger as we enter into Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, and that's a long ways from summer, but it just seems that that's where most people think of hunger is at that time of year. And I applaud you for recognizing that summer actually is probably the biggest hunger season, meaning that throughout the school year, students have so many means at their disposal for breakfast and lunch through the federal feeding programs within schools, but there's really not um, a, a, an equally strong federal program for the summer. I mean, there is federal funds and resources for the summer feeding programs in communities, but they tend to be very underutilized because they're opt-in as opposed to someone having to go to school and therefore taking advantage of the fact that while at school, they can be fed. So summer feeding tends to be a time when a lot of families struggle to find food for their children because they've relied on the school situation, the convenience of a, a bus to take their child to school, the convenience of their child already being at school. And so when they have to now replace those school meals with resources of their own or resources provided in the community, it becomes a, a high hurdle to find good uh, opportunities to feed their children during the summer. So in, in our situation, we're not a contractor in our community as a summer feeding site, but we partner with some of the summer feeding sites to support them with a program we operate during the school year, which is weekend food for children that they can just take home. We call it a backpack program. They take it home in their backpack, in, in, at least in theory. You know, it's the transport mechanism, just take it home and they have it uh, to be fed during the weekend. So that kind of takes some of that burden off the parents during the school year. We try to offer that same kind of a program during the summer. But here's where COVID-19 may introduce a wrinkle. I mean, even that program for us is based on having uh, summer feeding sites that are whole and, and kind of intact. And so the, the issue with social distancing and um, you know, just the, the, the food supply issues around COVID-19 are going to make summer feeding and, and summer feeding activities very different this year. And, um, you know, we're getting close to summer, but even so, some of that crystallization still is lacking in terms of exactly how summer feeding sites are going to function in our community. Um, the only certainty is as long as resources uh, provide, we're certainly going to be part of that process. And I guess, you know, that's the best thing I can say is just the, the hope for the community, the confidence for the community that uh, whatever process the community is able to support, we will be part of it. Yeah, that's great. And and Dan, we just want to really recognize the, the work that uh, you do in the community and, and in the region itself. And, um, you know, we understand how difficult it is to, to get through this particularly this sort of time, but um, 
you know, from Bechtel's point of view, are very proud to be involved and play some small part in, in supporting the effort that you guys are putting in. But we really want others to join and help you out as well. So, you know, where can people go to learn more about your programs and, and how can they get involved? Yeah, thank you for that. And, and I think the first thing I would say there is uh, I'm coming up on seven years here at the food bank, and, and my mantra during that time period has been that uh, I may be privileged to run the Southeast Texas Food Bank as its uh, leading executive officer, but certainly this is an effort far beyond myself, far beyond our staff, far beyond even our volunteers, which are thousands during the course of a year. This really is the community's food bank, and uh, you know my predecessors here were wise in branding it the Southeast Texas Food Bank, not just the Beaumont Food Bank or something like that. It really takes the whole region, the whole community, to rally around the issue of hunger. Uh, you know, so often it is not a program or a service that solves hunger; it is people and their commitment. And so, you know, I really applaud Bechtel for being partners with us. We really crave good, strong partners in the community. We rely on that uh, as part of the solution, as a real key to the solution. So, you know, we really invite these kinds of donor partnerships, volunteer partnerships, and both of those can be accessed by going to our website most effectively. That is www.setxfoodbank.org. And it's very intuitive. There's a volunteer tab for those who might wish to understand how to volunteer here. They can create a volunteer profile. They can choose volunteer shifts for themselves. Uh, there's a donate button for those who wish to uh, provide financial resources. There is a uh, kind of how to help tab if people want to conduct food drives within the community. And then certainly for those who need our services, uh, there's programmatic information on the website. But there's also a simple get help tab where they can find these partner agencies of ours in their communities and contact information for how to get in touch with them and, and seek the help that they may need. So just a, a lot of good that can be done by using that website, www.setxfoodbank.org. Uh, great. I, I hope we can we can help uh, turn some people towards you. Like I said, you know, the Bechtel Group Foundation is very proud to be a supporter in some small way to help you along the path through this summer period. And, and Dan, thanks so much for being involved in this today, sharing your insights. Thank you, and have a good rest of your week. Thank you. You too, Matt, and look forward to opportunities to engage further. Really appreciate that.